Hey, what's up, guys? Thank you for joining me and welcome to the show. It is a true blessing to be able to connect with the top minds and strength each and every week and share stories, insights, and experiences on becoming stronger in every area of our lives. And now I want to do more for you. I want to invite you to join the exclusive private Facebook group of The Strength Connection. In this group, I share the biggest takeaways and lessons from these amazing conversations, as well as training and strength tips for pursuing mastery and fulfillment in life. This group is filled with individuals looking to take full control over their strength in their lives, and it's the perfect space to explore ideas and share your journey. You'll also get exclusive access to the Strength Connection Mastery Seminars. It's a deep dive into physical, mental, and spiritual training that you can begin using immediately. Just go to the Facebook groups, type in the Strength Connection, and you'll be accepted immediately. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I'll catch you on the inside. And welcome back, everybody. Matthew Hearn, it's really nice to meet you. I'm so excited to have this conversation and I really appreciate you taking the time, man. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I was uh, kind of telling you off air, I got a chance to hear your your life story really when you were on a call with uh, Brian Grasso. He brings that out of people a lot of times in those calls. And uh, Yeah, he, he tends to do that. Yeah, he's one of those guys. Shout out to BG if you're listening. Um, but no, I, as I was saying, I, I forget what day that you spoke, but it's not a day that I normally can jump on the partner's calls with it, but just happened to have some time and jumped on after I did a podcast right into hearing your story of how you got into this world of personal training. And I got to tell you, I mean, I know there's a lot of inspiring stories out there, but to hear from what you went through and from your upbringing into, you know, everything of bringing you up to now, I don't even want to say any more with it. I want to let you tell the story, but uh, I just got to say it really, it hit me hard um, and, uh, and struck me. And I know it struck a lot of people on that call. So I'm excited to, share with our listeners um, and uh, and hear more about you. So again, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, and yeah. I'm glad that it had an impact for sure. Um, yeah. I mean, to kind of, yeah, to, to kick it off. Um, I mean, I know now you're a coach and a trainer in the Bay Area, um, yeah. incredibly successful in a short period of time, which led you from another part of your life before. So I guess just to kick it off, if you want to just start with, I guess, your story of upbringing and what eventually led you into this world of, of coaching. Yeah, for sure. I think the, probably the starting point is um, <laughs> a good starting point, I think, is the culmination of, of, of like the most impactful moment of my life, which was um, when I got arrested in 2006 for armed bank robbery. And it was uh, the person who who went through and uh, committed that act uh, was a person who was out of touch with himself along the beginning part of his life. So, you know, I, uh, I was really lost in those moments. Um, it was not something that uh, I, myself, my ver the version of myself now, or really then, I think like the true version of myself didn't really want to participate in, in doing that, but I still found myself in participating. And uh, my arrest, 
gave me enough space to be able to kind of like go through and reflect on my life. And at 21 years old, which is when it happened, when it took place for me, uh, if anybody can put themselves or is currently um, in that position of being 21 years old, your emotions are really heightened. Like everything feels like it's just so much more amplified. And at that moment when I was facing whatever, 10 to 15 years, something like that, somewhere in that range. They were telling me some some of the numbers were higher, some were a little bit lower. But at that moment, you really think that you've destroyed your life. Like mm-hmm. 21, pretty fresh into life. I've pretty much destroyed my life. So uh, in feeling that there was like a big swirl of of what do I do and all feeling all the emotions around that and anger, sadness, like just, just destroyed. I end up going through for about a year in, uh, in County jail. And then I hit my first prison yard and really quickly into my first prison yard. Um, I found somebody who changed my life. Uh, his name is Carlos Bryant and He's indigenous and he was this big, like big man. He was probably 5'10", about 225, but just like, just massive. Mm -hmm. And he also lived right next door to me. And Carlos had been incarcerated since he was 21 and he was 41 at the time that I met him. So he'd been incarcerated for 20 years and uh, meeting him was a blessing for me. Um, He, I was quiet, like I was reserved. I was observing my settings Mm -hmm. and he befriended me subtly in a way where you're trying to feel somebody out, but you know, you're, you're still kind to the degree that you can be kind in a situation like that. I feel like everybody is reserved because there's so many people who are harmed that, that can do harm back that it's just like, it's, it's a tricky, it's a tricky system to Mm -hmm. navigate. So it's, it's usually slow as slow as the way to go. Uh, He, you know, it would start with like, Hey, do you, you know, at this particular facility, like you have to have certain things to watch TV. He's like, Hey, do you want to borrow some stuff? Do you want to, you know, be able to watch? And I was like, yeah, sure. Then it, it transitioned into, we were having a conversation one time and his workout partner came in and that like everything in prison is referred to as cars. So, you know, it's very political. Some of it can be very political, but the breakdown is, like no matter how big or small a group is, it's a car. So you have like a workout car can be two people. There's one person who's really like driving the car, who's like creating the programs mm. or doing anything like that. And then they usually have people who are along for the ride. Um, so Carlos had this car and he had somebody that was in his car named Rampage and they had just got done finishing a workout and came in and, 
I think at the time I was probably, I had just turned 22, but I, like I'm 6'2". I was probably like 170 pounds, maybe 165. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not the frame that I am now or the frame that I left incarceration at. And uh, he, they're like, oh, you should work out. But then Rampage said, I can't remember exactly how the conversation went, but Rampage said something to uh, – something to this effect of like, ah, yeah, you can't hang. You wouldn't, you, you'd quit in a day. Mm-hmm. And that was enough for me to cement a commitment. And it was enough pressure for me not to be able to step out because in a situation like that, your commitments are everything. So your reputation, mm-hmm. everything that you stand on, it's, it's everything. So you being identified as somebody who would like quit or, any of that could be detrimental. And especially for me, like I'm new, it's heightened, you know, like, uh, no, like I'm not going to quit. So started showing up. Uh, What that looked like was having to get up every morning at like 540 in the morning, uh, get dressed, shower, do all that stuff, run to the weight pile as soon as the doors would open at six in the morning grab grab our station for the day whatever that may be whether it's like chest mm-hmm. back whatever our station is grab our station secure our station grab all the weights while carlos and rampage walked to the chow hall and then they got to eat and they've come back and you know they'd mosey on they go through the process of eating i'm sure whatever their speed is they're not in a rush mm-hmm. you know and then they get to go to the weight pile and they start working out and i'd have to run to the chow hall and I'd have to hurry up and eat real quick. Cause it's, there's only a short window of, of when you could eat. I have to eat and then I have to get back to catch up on the workout because mm-hmm. they've already started. So that system was how I got uh, onboarded onto exercise. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what really drove me to make that commitment. Um, but once I made it, I, I hated it probably for the first four and a half months. Like, really? I, oh, I, yeah, absolutely. Getting up and, and running, <laughs> running for weights for, for mm-hmm. other people was like, yeah, I, it was a struggle. I'm not going to say like I hated it. It was a struggle. It was like mm-hmm. there was a, there was definitely conflict internally for me of like, damn, you're running and doing this. You know, you didn't right. get up in the morning. All of the narratives that are going up on in your head, like you signed up for this, that it doesn't really matter. So all of the struggle in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And about four and a half months into it, uh, I saw so much change in myself that I was like, you know, I started to buy into this idea that my life wasn't ruined anymore. And that was a powerful thought for me. So it was, it was a really, wow. it was a really powerful moment. And then I didn't want to leave. Like uh, I didn't want to leave what I cultivated in that moment. Cause it was so, it was such like a, it was a life raft, you know, yeah. it was, you feeling like you're drowning in the middle of the ocean and somebody just threw you like a life raft and saved it. So was that, was that thought that you had of like all of a sudden now, like my life's not over. Was that like in more of like an epiphany type moment or were those kind of thoughts just 
kind of starting to trickle in more common in your kind of your everyday? Um, no, it was much more like an epiphany moment. Yeah. I remember standing on the weight pile. I think I just got done doing back and there, it was an outdoor setting. We're under a tower where the guard has a, like a gun on you mm-hmm. and there was a mirror outside and I remember looking over and seeing myself in the mirror and I saw the change in my physical appearance. Mm -hmm. And I maybe at the time couldn't recognize the change in like my mental or emotional uh, state, but I saw the change in my physical appearance and I wasn't the type of person that really looked in the mirror all the time. So Mm -hmm. like, uh, um, doing that, I was, I just saw myself, kind of for the first time in a little while. And I was like, oh, wow. Like there's, there's a lot of power in this. Like yeah. there's a lot of, there's something here. And, wow. and then in seeing that, I remember the inspiration that came in. And then when I went back, when I went back after I showered up and everything, I, uh, I sat down and I really, like, I, I really started to believe that I, it could be different. Like my life could be different. And I started, then my mind started racing. Like, you know, you get, you get inspired by hope. It's like so energizing. So then, then all this, the thought, the thoughts start coming like rapidly and you just, you just start building. Wow. that's, That's essentially what I started doing was from that moment started just like really building like what this would look like. How would that, you know, how would I be able to do it? Um, This, that, and the other. And then at the same time, you got to take space from that process. You still have to operate and going out to to the weight piles, Mm -hmm. the weights, doing all the things that are necessary. And, uh, you know, it wasn't just the, the lessons that I was getting through weightlifting, like Carlos gave me, he like set and forged my path for, for the record, I did 13 years of incarceration. So he set and forged my path from that moment and how my time would go. He gave me wow. a lot of, he gave me a lot of confidence to be who I was in an environment that is not uh, in an environment that tries to shape you, that tries to mold you into being something that might not be, what your values align with or might not be who you are. And mm-hmm. he, the lessons that he gave me both inside and outside of that environment were that the strongest thing you can do is just like, is get in touch with yourself and be yourself. Yeah. And, uh, you know, then I went through a lot of reflection time of like what landed me there and, and, really going through the process of like that, those moments that lived like that, that set that path allowed me to be like, okay, well, let me go, let me go back and look at where things may have went wrong. Like what drove my behaviors, all of these things. Mm -hmm. And it really came down to, for me, like I had a really deep wound around, um, intelligence and I was diagnosed with ADD at a young age. I came from a home that had a divorce in it at a young age. And, you know, 
I remember just being young and going through life being like, there's moments where I realize the impact of it. And then there's moments where you don't realize the impact of it. And the moments that I realized the impact of it was just being in rooms with people who are looking at you, like there's something wrong with you or like there's, you know, especially at the time that I got diagnosed, the the information that was out there uh, was really, was really inefficient. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's just the time period, the time period had inefficiency in being able to diagnose or understand what that even means. I, I still feel like there's like, we're always constantly learning. So it's right. It, it all evolves. It cha- it shapes it. It translates differently. Um, so at the time period, it was really confining. It, it felt like, uh, like as a child, my home got split up. I'm getting diagnosed with this thing. Like there's something wrong with me. All of, all mm. of these thoughts that, that you kind of go through and it, they're a five-year-old thoughts. So they're not always, they're not always active or like such long narratives, but their feelings in their, you yeah. know, they're, um, they're short and they're just yeah. bursts, but it's mostly energetic, you know, just feelings and uh not the inability to process them or understand them right uh turns into as you start to develop those narratives are are deep the feelings are deep but you can't uh you can't quite articulate it the same way anymore it's just for me those those pivotal moments especially from young age it's just like it becomes harder once you start to blend uh, coping mechanisms or adaptations on on top of each other, it right. starts to feel distant. And uh, you know, I ran from reading in school because I would not absorb information quickly, so I would not participate. Um, I would in math, I would do all of the work in my head. And then I would write the answer down because I didn't want somebody to see my processing. Um, I didn't want them to see the mistakes that I was making. So I would go through the process of, of coming up with something perfectly and then putting it on paper with the answer because Mm -hmm. I didn't want somebody, it was too much for me for somebody to even see the visual mistake. Yeah. And, uh, you know, reflecting on, on those things and, uh, going through the process of really challenging that, um, has, has been, it's constant, but the belief that the belief that I got from lifting weights and getting in touch with myself and lifting weights allowed me to then go back and start to challenge some of the narratives that I built for myself as a child, like, okay, let's start picking up books. Let's start seeing how this, yeah. this, you know, not saying I didn't ever read, I would, I would read on the computer, do stuff like that. And as long as it was really engaging, like I didn't, I didn't have a problem with processing. Right. Uh, I just felt like, Oh, these other things were so difficult. So it might've been a reflection of, of myself or, you know, whatever, whatever internalized 
uh, narrative that I ended up creating or latching onto. Mm -hmm. But I, I then started challenging it. And what I realized is most of it is just conditioning. So at first for me, it was very difficult to read. I'd have to read a page like five times over to even get to the part where you can imagine something, you know, like I'd been so disconnected with my imagination that I couldn't even imagine or picture anything as to what I'm reading. Yeah. Uh, let alone absorb information. So then I just like kept doing it, kept doing it, kept doing it. And, and it was a slow build out. It'd be like having to read five pages over one time to be able to create one picture, Mm -hmm. like one glimpse of a picture. So then you read the next thing and it looks very much like frame frame, very slow. But then when you start to continually participate in it, then it starts to look like one of those animations that starts to kind of like speed up and the frame starts speeding up. And, and then eventually it's that fast moving animation. And then from the animation, it can grow into, into something that feels very visual, like has, has much more reality or right. Um, the CGI stuff or, you know, anything Mm. like that. Uh, That was the evolution of it for me or what it felt like for me. Uh, And the more that I, the more that I challenged myself to participate in this system, the more that I realized that my narrative from childhood was, was very flawed and that I wasn't, you know, that I wasn't stupid. Mm -hmm. And you still got to go back and do the original like the original work with the versions of yourself that still deeply believe that no matter what, but in totality, like what I learned through my process was, was just like, Hey, like, no, you can really do these things. You just have to be willing to participate and go through and, and struggle a little bit, just like I did with the weights, just like I did in reading, like no matter what realm it is, you have to be able to go through and just struggle a little bit to be able to get through to the good moments, to, to the moments where you feel really productive, right? Uh, to the moments where you start hitting a level of, of growth and, and uh, achievement that looks very different. Yeah. You know, Matt, when you said, I thought it was so interesting of, you know, the first four months and change of hating the process of waking up early and going through, but just kept with it. Then once you kind of saw that physical transformation of it, then the belief kind of came in of like, what am I capable of? And I think it's so interesting because a lot of times we think that it needs to be the reverse. You need to believe first before you can start doing something. But in reality, if you just start doing something in the right direction and stick with it, the belief is probably going to come afterwards. You know, it's kind of like we talk about self-confidence, like confidence comes from the doing the things over and over again and keeping those promises to yourself. And I think that's, it's such a, an interesting message because not a lot of people I think can resonate exactly with your story, but they can understand a point of trying to feel lost and struggling with something where, the physical side of training, I think is, it is that avenue to belief and getting into the mental side of it. And it seems really like that's what happened to you. The physical side of getting stronger 
really made you open up to realize what you were capable of on the mental side of it as well? Yeah, I def I definitely hear you. I think some of the things that that I heard or what I thought about when you were when you were saying when you were talking was um, for me a lot of it was like confidence is conditioned. Mm -hmm. It's not. It, it doesn't matter who it is. It's conditioned. There, I think there's this belief that that certain people are are born with more confidence, and that might be true, but it can also be conditioned out of them. Yes. Just like it can be conditioned into people who aren't born with maybe the necess like the same level of natural confidence. And if you grow up in an environment that doesn't understand that conditioning, uh, you can you can trick yourself into believing that it's different, that it's something special, or that it's like something that you don't possess. But uh, for me, I think it's, it's just, it really depends on your conditioning. I, every, and everybody has, has different, uh, roads, different avenues, different experiences, but we're very similar in the way that conditioning impacts us mm. and, yeah. and how what's absent though, is our lack of, our lack of understanding of the power of that conditioning or how we participate in that conditioning, how we show up through it. Uh, a lot of what was subtly being conditioned into me in that four, first four months was more mental. I just didn't pick up on it. I didn't right. really understand it until I just started doing it without like maybe the activity in my mind, which that looks like, you know, the, the words or the cues that I use as a, a teacher now were very different than the words and the cues that Carlos would use in, in teaching and cultivating. Mm -hmm. for me. Um, but he was essentially saying the same things. It's just the language changed and the language was different for the environment the language is different from person to person, right. but I understood what he was saying just from an instinctual level and then learning uh, to expand like the vocabulary. And this is an example, like I've meditated my whole life, but when I would hear that word growing up, I had a visual association to it that looked very different than what I would experience while I was meditating. So it felt foreign. The, like the idea of meditation felt very foreign and I couldn't even piece together that, no, this has been something that you have been doing since four years old. Uh, you just didn't know that it was meditation. You didn't have the language or the connection points right. to understand it. It wasn't, until, it wasn't until later where I started to read books on on meditation that I was like, Oh, like, wow. Like I've been doing this forever. I didn't know. I didn't even know that this was an association to it. Right. Um, and same thing, same thing with, with Carlos. He some of the things that he would tell me would be, it'd be much more on the mental side than the physical side, but the translation would just be into physical. Right. So it was like a straight pathway into physical, and then when I started to see the physical, I started to participate more in the mental. Right. Started to open up the kind of the clearing of part of the windshield on the mental side now that you could get into 
you know, after the physical that's, and what was it with, with Carlos was, and how he kind of took you under his wing there was, have you, did you talk to him at all about kind of why he did that? Was he just kind of that type of guy who was just saw you as someone who needed some guidance or was he just kind of someone who just was looking for somebody else to kind of join the car? I just said. Um, for me, there were certain levels of, uh, of, mystery um so i had to kind of like go about the process of not directly finding out from about him but mm -hmm. maybe finding out from others what what they knew and no this was not something that he did often he actually did not like working out with other people if he did he would he would jump in with another car real quick but be independent inside though like inside the car so it's like okay i'm just gonna come in with you because you're doing and I learned this behavior from him. I'm just going to come in and do what you guys are doing, but I'm still going to do my own thing. Right. So it, it was like, uh, if these people happen to have this, this, uh, station or this bench, like I'm going to get in with them because this is what I need to do, but I'm not going to follow what they're doing. I'm just going to do, I'm, I'm going to do my program or do whatever I need to do, mm -hmm. which is not traditional in our setting, but it was, it was something that I learned from him and um, no, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what possessed him mm -hmm. to kind of go through that process. Uh, I don't know if there's a turning point. I know that the first 15 years of his, his uh, sentence were rough. I could see probably very similar to the, what I was experiencing in the very beginning where uh, he had much more time than I did. Uh, he essentially was looking at a life sentence without getting out. Uh, he has since got out and I have not been able to reach him. Mm -hmm. I don't, I just don't have the contact, but I did find out that he, he got released, which is great. But uh, I don't know. I don't know what possessed him to do it. And mm -hmm. then, you know, he did invest a lot of, energy into me yeah. it was not just like it was a friendship it was it became much more than I probably think that he thought it was going to be in the beginning right and what ended up happening is you know eight and a half months into so I only got four more months after I started to believe in this uh and we spent like you know he's my neighbor we just spent a lot of time uh eating talking uh, walking the yard, working out together. We spent a lot of time just getting to know each other. And uh, I got, I later got pulled off the yard. I had to go get sentenced. And when they sentenced me, they did not allow me to go back to the yard that I was on. I had to go uh, to a higher level custody. So I went to a higher level custody yard and he stayed there and I haven't seen, like I, I had a couple correspondence letters with him, but I have not seen him since. Yeah. And you kind you mentioned that he kind of gave you the path afterwards of what the next, you know, decade plus was of your life was going to be like from there. And it was on the physical side of it, but you mentioned a lot of the mental side and reading books and really believing in that as well. Was that something that he kind of helped you into, or was that something that you more kind of found out on your own once this belief really came about? The, so yeah, there was a, there was a, 
there was a connection miss because mm-hmm. what he gave me was on completely mental. Yeah. What so what the buy-in once I bought in, yeah, the buy-in process was on the mental side, mm-hmm. and it was like that. That's the foundation. That was the runway that he gave me of like, no, like your time here, and he didn't say it like he didn't say it like this, but this was always his messaging. This is my interpretation of it is your time is not wasted while you're in here. It's only wasted if you choose to do that. Mm-hmm. If you choose to waste your time, then you have wasted it. But just because you're here, just because you're in this environment does not mean that it's wasted time. Yeah. And that was uh, that was powerful messaging for me. Be, mm-hmm. And in correspondence with like, uh, hey, you know, if somebody calls you out of your name, if they if they do these things, like does like what gives the power to these words that the people are saying to you? And essentially, it's like you always have the power. You're the one that has the power. If you give them power, then then that's your choice. You mm-hmm. could do that. You could also choose not to give them power. And uh, stuff like that allowed me to be able to root myself in the things that I believed in mm-hmm. and be able to find confidence in, in those things that I believed in and what I wanted around me mm-hmm. and feel really confident in setting ground rules like drugs are prevalent in, in, in uh, prison settings. But in my cell, it was a no-go. Like there, you, you don't bring drugs in my cell. I don't care. I don't care what you do. I don't care if you do them. I don't care anything. Like, you can't bring them in the cell. Right. Uh, and there's always a reason, like I had my reasons for that, but you know, it, that, it doesn't matter. Like that's a no-go. And yeah. usually in an environment like that, people don't set hard boundaries like that, or they don't look like that. Right. That, that uh, it's like such a simple yet such powerful message of you don't have to waste your time in there. Like that, that's so, strong Matthew there of like, regardless of even, I think in any environment there, but especially where you were at incarcerated, it's like, no, that doesn't have to be time wasted. Like any space, any, any moment in time could be something of value if you choose to do so. Like that's just such a, a powerful message that I think everybody needs to understand because that's, you know, so many people I think do that. We think like we have so much time or we just like, we'll always get to it. It's like, no, it's like, you can make every moment of time valuable right now. So just getting that belief right in there, that's so, that's just freaking so strong. So when you were, when, so when did you realize, or when did you decide that you wanted to get into personal training and coaching from this? Oh, I probably knew it was a possibility when I started hitting about, you know, two, 220 pounds. Mm-hmm. This is the thing that I've learned about the industry is most of it is visual. Mm-hmm. So yes. I was, I mean, when I stepped out of here, I was 255 at 5% body fat natural. You know, like I was, I was six two. you know, I'm, I'm the people that I came out here to were like, Hey, you should jump on steroids and get on, on the Olympia stage. And that's, that never interested me. Yeah. Like, putting, I, I have, 
always been this way my whole life. Putting things in my body has been like a deep awareness that I've had. I took myself off Ritalin at a very young age, which was my ADD medication because I did not like putting things in my body. I don't, I don't or rarely take like ibuprofen. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, so rare. It's, I have to really, like, it has to really be something for me to take it. And I just don't, I'm really aware of the ingredients in my food. Like you, in, in prison, you can't be the pickiest person about your food. Right. But you can still control all the other things. Uh, so I just try and bring a level of awareness of, of that. So that was never for me. But I knew, like, I had a level of awareness of, of where I was at and what I, like, physically, what I was capable of and mm-hmm. what I looked like and how I presented uh, I, I knew that that would be a possibility and yeah. people around me would tell me the same thing. They would just be like, you know, when you get out of here, you, people are going to look at you like you're crazy. Just, and that was when I was at two two twenty five. you know, hmm. I got as high up as like 270. I wasn't at quite 5%. I was like at seven or eight, mm-hmm. but I got up to 270 and I, I know what they feel. I know what they meant just by the environment in there. Mm-hmm. It's it's probably maybe five to 10 X times harder in there to get recognition for stuff like that. Like right. very, it's very like this masculine energy of like, mm-hmm. I don't want to, I don't even want to let anybody know that they have even a little bit over me or that they're just a little bit better than me. But when I would step up to a lift or just, just physically, it for me, it was undeniable. I walked around with, and this is not, I'm not trying to come off as arrogant, but it's just the truth. I yeah. walked around with the level of like awareness that when I stepped up to a lift, people on, on the way power were stopping and looking, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. it's like, you know, they would just stop what they're doing for a second. They would look over and then they would go back to what they're doing. Yeah. And that, in, in that environment, that subtlety is everything. Yeah, it is. And, you know, strength is appealing to, to everyone. And it's, yeah. uh, it is. And what you said there, it, we're in a visual based business. And I know a lot of people are trying to change that narrative over. And I, I understand where they're coming from. It's not just about that, but if you don't have the visual side of it, it's, it's very not off-putting, but it's a little bit strange, you know, usually if you're making a, a career on it, like it's, there is yeah. something to, I mean, just like, like you mentioned early, when you saw that physical transformation four months in, it's like when you change your body and you feel that there's, there's a different energy that you have when you do feel confident in how you look and how you present yourself to the world. And, like, I don't think that should be a diluted message down. You know, I think if you want to change your body, like, yeah, focus on your mindset and focus on all other aspects of health, which is perfect, but it's okay to, you know, to look the way that you want to look and to, and to build that up at the same time. Yeah. And also in honesty, like, I don't, uh, I don't really believe in goals. So, which Mm -hmm. is kind of funny, but um, through my process, like the only time I ever set a goal was to hit 315 and it was one of the biggest struggles that I had was like 
trying to uh, bench press 315. It was early on. It was when I was around Carlos. I ended up hitting it with him, but I didn't end up hitting it until I let go of the goal. Yeah. Until I, I was like, man, I don't care anymore. Like I've spent four months trying to hit this. I'm done. Like, you know, I, I, it just, it doesn't matter. And then I probably hit it like two weeks later. So I, and then from that moment, it was like, okay, let me, let me release this stuff. And I just, I didn't really, I pushed hard. I, that is something that's, I think, essential, but I let the work take care of itself. All I had to do was really show up and do my best. And if I showed up and do my best, like the work is going to take care of itself and I don't need to set goals because success is going to come my way when I'm working at my best. Yes. It's uh, it's funny you mentioned that. I just, I just did a seminar uh, for my community on uh, focusing on mastery versus goal setting and process. And I had an old friend who had the analogy of like, if you order something from Amazon, like if you order a book today and it says it's going to be here on Saturday, like in your mind, you already own that book. Like it's on its way. Like you've ordered it. You don't actually mm-hmm. physically have it in your hands, but in your mind, you already believe that that book is yours. It's the same with goals. Yeah. Like put it out there. Like it's going to happen when it's going to happen. Like it's just on its way here. So just focus on the process. Just focus on each day, just enjoying it. Because I mean, not only is it more of an enjoyable experience, but you're actually going to get to it faster versus wondering when you're going to hit this 315. Does it happen today? Like, I know I'm supposed to do this. It's like, no, you eliminate all those anxieties from it. It's already coming. Yeah. And it's just, it pulls on your processing. So no matter what, it's going to eat into your awareness. You're, if you set it, you're, you're going to constantly, it's almost like you're anchoring yourself to it. So energetically you're pulling away resources that could be used towards just doing your best Mm -hmm. and those those resources are now in focusing on where you need to be or where you should be and and in most cases that pull becomes stronger Mm -hmm. so it might start off at five percent of an anchor but it starts to drift into 20 percent of an anchor when you start to hit more and more resistance on your path of like this is where i should be why am i not here why am i not here and it just erodes your ability to show up right and it just starts soaking up all the processing until the goal then defines you and Mm -hmm. then in most cases people people break down for a little while or or don't ever achieve it yeah so now i mean you've built a, a very successful personal training business now after getting up and doing it for a few years i believe uh since yeah. then was that was that a pretty easy transition working with clients for you or is it still kind of a learning curve when you first got into it or did it more feel like i i feel like i've been doing this forever uh teaching people fitness was something that i'd been doing forever what i was not prepared for was the level of anxiety that I would personally have on my success. So being able to teach people exercise is something that I'm super resourced in and I could do in my sleep. Mm -hmm. But the desire or what's leveraged against you in the moment for me in the beginning was the desire and this need 
to make up for the time that I lost, which was 13 years. And I don't say lost, but like just the time gap period, Mm -hmm. the time gap where for people who are out here have been able to uh, accumulate, you know, like, and rightfully so, like they've been working, they've been doing all these things. They're on a different life path than I'm on when I get out, I'm coming out, I'm homeless. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't have anything. I don't have a car. I don't have any money in the bank and I'm homeless. So I have support for my family. They're in a different state, you know, things like that, but I have little resources mm-hmm. and very little connections in the moment. So the anxiety that came with having to build quickly or this, the narrative of having to build quickly was something that I struggled with because it pulled me out of the ability to teach exercise. It was more, I was, Mm. there was a duality duality that was happening at the moment, which is like, I'm really concerned about my livelihood and how I'm going to be successful. And that pulls at my, what my center of focus should be, which is the person who's standing across that's coming and trying to learn exercise. Yeah. What did you, was there a specific process that you did to help work through that? Or what did it just take time as you just were building? It just took time. It took time. It took me leaning on, on my experience Mm -hmm. from the past. It took uh, reflection. It took, you know, it just took some time. Yeah. I was going to say, it's like, one thing that I will say that is super powerful that uh, we get in incarceration that a lot of people don't get or have have not really seen from people out here is reflection. You know, there's not a lot of time given to reflection and it's a super important yeah. part of the process. Being able to reflect and kind of like say, hey, what's happening with me through my day, like process it at a much safer, slower speed yeah. than that in-person speed. Uh, it helps you make adjustments back when you're into that in-person speed. Yeah. It's interesting that that term reflection is, it's so powerful. I, I recognize that I've done a lot of work, um, you know, on that myself, but I think a lot of people, they, they go into something like that. And it's just a lot of negative self-talk right off the bat. It's just like, oh, I didn't do this today. Oh, I'm a fuck up. Oh, I did this. And it's like, it's uh no, that's not reflection. That's just talking shitty about yourself. It's like yeah. actually going through and, you know, going through, okay, this is what happened. Why did this happen? And so like, it is, it's a very, it's such a powerful thing to, to do, but just like anything, it's, it's a skill that you can get better at, um, yeah. you know, by just putting some time into it. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I think when, when people drag, when people drag those narratives in, it's not understanding what the space is for. And that comes with conditioning with conditioning, you develop or cultivate a better understanding of what the space is for. And the space is not for dragging something in and shitting on yourself. Mm -hmm. It's for actually understanding where things were coming from in the first place. Like what, what was the reason that I reacted this way? Why did I uh, show up in this moment in this form or, you know, any of those things. Um, And it's, about challenging yourself in a different way to show up in the moment when the moment 
comes back around in a very different way. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Um, Matthew, dude, this time just flew by with you. Um, it's seriously, it's, this was again, super inspiring to hear your story. Um, you know, people like you who have gone through some really challenging time, but didn't waste that time and actually found something absolutely beautiful, you know, out of it and, you know, coming out and, you know, telling the story and just, you know, being a, a great coach and a person for the people that you're working with, I just think is freaking awesome, man. So I really appreciate you taking the time and sharing this with me. I appreciate your time too, as well. Thank you. Yeah. So if, uh, if people want to follow you, check out kind of more of your journey, um, social media and stuff, what's the best place that they can go and connect? So I'm still like, I'm still working on that, but, Mm -hmm. uh, I am Matthew Hearn. I am Matthew Hearn is my, uh, IG handle. It's probably the, one of the easier ways to get a hold of me. I still have not, uh, fully participated in social media or really marketing in general. Mm-hmm. So working on those things, but if you reach out that way, you could definitely, definitely yeah. get a hold of me there. Yeah. Well, you need to start a podcast because I think that would be the best thing for you. <laughs> that. So um, Matthew, dude, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Listeners, thank you so much for connecting and I'll catch you on the next one. Peace guys. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you found some great value here. And if you like this episode, please drop a comment and leave us a five-star rating and review. It does more to build the show than you can imagine. And do not forget to check out and join the Strength Connection Facebook group. In this group, I share the biggest takeaways and lessons from these amazing conversations, as well as training and strength tips for pursuing mastery and fulfillment in life. It's this group is filled with individuals looking to take full control over their strength and it's the perfect space to explore new ideas and to share your journey. And you'll also get exclusive access to the Strength Connection Mastery Seminars. It's a deep dive into the physical, mental, and spiritual training that you can begin using immediately. So do not wait. Go now. Seriously, go. I right, much love to you. Thank you so much and I'll catch you on the next one.